Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. I can't help but think of the incident where the 12 lepers called out, Jesus have mercy on us. And he said, go, show yourself to the priest. Didn't pray, just gave them an action to take. Faith just knows what needs to know what action to take. Praise God. So as they did what he said, it said that as they went, as they went, as they did what he said, they were cleansed. And one, when he saw that he was cleansed, he turned back. He turned back. And with a loud voice, he glorified God and he went back to Jesus and it said and he fell down and he worshipped him and jumping to the end of that Jesus said your faith has made you whole Jesus called his act of worship faith he didn't come back confessing a scripture he just came back and worshiped, and Jesus said, Your faith. Your faith. Your faith. It takes faith to enter in. Sometimes we can just imitate worship, but it takes faith to enter in. And he said, Your faith has made you whole. When he saw he was cleansed, he turned back. But when he worshiped, he was made whole. When he obeyed what Jesus said to do, the process of leprosy was stopped. But when he chose without anyone telling him, when he just chose to worship, body parts put back that the leprosy had eaten. In the worship of him, things are put back. I said things are put back. And Jesus in his, in the course of conversation with this one, and he was a Samaritan. He had not been taught the honor of God. And those who had, I think it's, Remarkable that the word points out he was a Samaritan. He didn't need anyone to teach him to be grateful. Just human decency compelled him and his regard for recognizing something was done for him that no one else could have done. And he didn't wait for the other nine to join him. He didn't care that the other nine just kept going their way. But Jesus said, where they're not ten cleansed, where are the other nine? He was looking for them. Not just, not just because he's trying to point out that they weren't there. He had something more for them, and they didn't come back and get it. You don't, 
not because on God's side, but because of our side, we don't ever receive all God has for us with one coming. Because what God has for us is so great that we can't contain it all in one coming. So we keep coming back and we keep coming back and we keep coming back. Jesus didn't just want the process of leprosy stopped in the others. He wanted body parts put back for them. But they didn't come back to get the more that he had for them. I'm saying this is why the local church is so important. It's the place to come back to. It's the place to come back to, to come back. People need to know, where do I come back to? And if you don't have a local church, you don't have a coming back place. You say, well, I can stay at home and worship God. This man didn't. He didn't get his body put back by staying home and worshiping. He came back to where he received the first time. Go to where you receive. Not just where people gather, but go to where you receive. Yeah. What's this mean? It was not hard to put back body parts. And worship is the setting that the maimed is made whole. That's the setting that that disease maimed his body and worship was the setting to put it back. Amen. And he chose. Jesus didn't say, go show yourself to the priest and come back and let me know what happens. He chose to come back. He chose to come back. And you have to wonder what the other nine thought when they saw him in town later. Hey. Sammy, the Samaritan, your nose is back. Your ear is back. Your fingers, your digits are all there. Sammy, how'd you, how did they come back? He said, oh, I went back. Remember when I turned and y'all didn't? Continual coming, continual coming. Continual working, continual receiving. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated, but don't stay too far. Don't disconnect. In these services, I uh, one of the things that God dealt with me about is in these services, it's not just about preparing a sermon. It's about hearing what he wants to do and just coming and doing that together. And um, Jesus healed the maimed. And he started dealing with me tonight. We're going to minister to some of those. Because it belongs to us. Wholeness belongs to us. Jesus came up to the man at the pool of Bethesda and said, Wilt thou be made whole? He didn't say, Do you want the pain to leave? He said, He, he didn't just offer him relief. He offered him wholeness. Let's not settle for anything less than wholeness. Amen. So I'm not really going to teach. I'm going to just talk a few moments. Because in this atmosphere, and I thank you, y'all staying there. That's a help, Tony. Y'all keep doing what you're doing. Um, but to have this flow 
of worship putting back things. We have to talk about it. You ministers, we only will receive what we bring to the people. God will, uh, if what we need more of, we have to preach more on. To have body parts put back, we have to preach it because people think that that's so far out there. <laughs> but it's within the scope of worship. It's within the reach of worship. Amen. Um, I want to read to you Psalm chapter 139. This is the Amplified Classic Translation. In verse 12, Psalm 139, verse 12, it says, Even the darkness hides nothing from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you did form my inward parts. You did knit me together in my mother's womb. I will confess and praise you, for you are fearful and wonderful, and for the awful wonder of my birth. Wonderful are your works, and that my inner self knows right well. My frame was not hidden from you, when I was being formed in secret and intricately and curiously wrought as if embroidered with various colors in the depths of the earth, a region of darkness and mystery. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Look at this. And in your book, all the days of my life were written before ever they took shape. When as yet there was none of them. How precious and weighty also are your thoughts to me, God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Think of it. You feel his thoughts. When I awoke, could I count to the end, I would still be with you. Verse 16 of the King James translation says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect, and in thy book all my members were written. Wow. <laughs> Which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. I like this phrase, in thy book all my members were written. He did not record damaged members. He did not write in his book broken parts, missing parts, parts not working. Amen. We were in the back room with Brother Copeland on one occasion, and we brought to him some, someone who was missing parts of their hands and fingers. 
And I love the way he prayed. He said, God, we are commanded to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You must give him hands to obey that verse. He didn't pray for his hands to come back. He came back, so he prayed for the fulfillment of that verse. I thought, this man thinks different. (laughs) And that's the way he prayed. They must come back so he can fulfill that verse, because without hands, he can't fulfill it. The way you wrote it. Amen. Um, one of the stories we were with Dr. Roy Hicks who was a contemporary of Brother Hagen and they were close friends and for years but Dr. Roy Hicks was a leading one of the I guess you would say officials of the Foursquare denomination founded by Sister Amy Simple McPherson. And so Ed and I went one time to, actually we went went with him and his wife because having been an official there uh, with the Foursquare denomination, he said, I want to show you Angelus Temple. He gave us a private tour because he knew it well and he told us stories because he, him and his wife had gone to her Bible school. Sister Amy performed their wedding ceremony. And um, he said to us, he said, she told us a story that when she early on in her ministry, before her and her first husband went to China, he was invited. Her husband was Robert Simple, and she was young in these things, but he was invited to preach at a church and he was doing the evening service and the pastor came to him one day, excuse me, came to her one day and said, I want you to do the service in the morning. And because she was so used to her husband preaching, she was really not, she didn't have a stash of sermons prepared, you know. And so she was just waiting on the Lord of what to do in that morning service. And she said, she told, she told Brother Hicks with, along with others, there were about 50 people in that morning service. And she said, when I got there, God spoke to me and said, I want to perform a creative miracle this morning. And so Sister Amy just got up and said exactly what God said to her. God said to me, he wants to perform a creative miracle this morning. So who needs one? And no one responded. And she kept calling and still no one responded. And so she said, well, I can't go any further and do something. If he's wanting to do that, if I do anything different, I'm going to be doing it without him (laughs) because he's already told us what he wants to do. And so she just sat on the steps leading up to the platform and just began to worship and the people worshiped with her. And she kept calling and still no one came. And so they just continued to worship. And about 30 minutes later, a man got up and he was carrying something, a pillow, a blanket, and walked up and said, I knew you called for a creative miracle. I didn't know if you meant this much of one. And 
he put it on her lap and she pulled back this blanket to find a completely undeveloped baby there. The head was misshaped. There were no eyeballs in the eye sockets. The eyes were latched closed, so to speak. Flippers for arms and legs, completely deformed. And after you've been calling for 30 minutes for somebody to come and they come, and yeah, you can't act like this didn't walk up. And so I love what she did. She just sat there and since God called it, let God work it. And so she just worshiped and the people just worshiped for like another 30 minutes. And after about 30 minutes, she saw what looked to be invisible hands taking the the head and reshaping that head right in front of her eyes as though working with clay. And then she saw what looked to be whirlpools that formed over the baby's eye sockets and went in and formed eyeballs. And then as they continued to praise, she, she told him an arm popped out and then another arm, then a leg popped out, another leg. And after, another, after 30 minutes of worshiping, she handed it back to that man completely whole. But this is what I want you to see. It was the atmosphere of worship. Because the atmosphere of worship is attention on Him and focus on Him and not on the difficulty, not on the need. You don't get needs met focused on needs. Yes, what a word. Amen. When Smith Wigglesworth had a man ask him to come to his house and pray for his wife because she was in the final days of her life and she had been bedridden and she was emaciated and she was at death's door and there was Brother Wigglesworth that came in along with some other Christians that were gathered there around that bed and one by one each one of those Christians began to pray and one would say, oh God, comfort the husband, another comfort the children. And they had her buried by the time those five or six people prayed and came to Smith Wigglesworth. And when he began to pray, he saw the face of Jesus over her bed and she was completely raised up. And so they asked him, these Christians that were in the room with him said, how come she was healed when you raised up and, or she was raised up when you prayed and wasn't healed when we prayed. And he said, easy. He said, you prayed looking at the dying woman. I prayed looking at Jesus. There's the key. That's what worship does. It directs your attention and your focus. Nothing changes looking at what needs to change. And that's why worship is not just advisable, but critical. Not because God needs it. We need, we need the help of what worship does for us. It locks us in on the healer, the miracle worker, instead of the the miracle needed and the body needing help. Amen. Brother Hagen made this statement. He said, you praise God long enough and the spirit of worship will come. 
when the spirit of worship comes, the glory will fall. And in the midst of that glory, blind eyes will open. So basically, it's about us learning to be skillful enough to cooperate. And it's what they've been talking about, the seagulls have been talking about, and what they were talking about this morning and in previous mornings is talking about in the Spirit. In the Spirit, all things are easy. In the Spirit, all things are completed. You step into the Spirit, you step into the realm of completion. You step into the place of wholeness. Amen. Praise the Lord. I love that something that Pastor Amy has told of seeing a dream or vision of the, the parts. And she had a vision, and it was a warehouse, a, a built, just a giant room, and she went in there, and there were body parts on shelves, and angels, is, that, is this right? Angels were coming and coming and going out of the room. But the thing she brought out that I had never thought about, she said the parts were living. They were alive. They just weren't dormant, inert objects of matter. They were functioning body parts. One man in writing of his account of having gone to heaven and seen heaven, he said, I've since recognized in ministering that he said I would minister in a service and I would see angels come and they're holding body parts. And he said, but the people didn't respond in faith. And they leave the room with those same body parts they came with. That no doubt could be what she saw of angels coming and going, maybe getting body parts. Why? Because heaven is a place of faith. They expect you to receive. Praise God. That's right. Now, do you understand what I'm saying? They don't just listen for your faith and then go, oh, we better go get the part. They bring the part because they expect you to expect. How tragic that we would ever see the replay button the rewind on our life and see things brought to us but returned back to heaven simply because we did not respond rightly to what the angels in faith brought us. Faith has to meet faith. Amen. Um, as I said, we have to talk about these things to bring the expectation of the people to these things. I, I want to just read Mark chapter 5, verse 22. We know the account of Jairus' daughter. Mark 5, 22, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed 
and she shall live. Can I tell you something about the best way to approach God and a minister? If you're wanting them to agree with you for healing, if they're wanting, if you're wanting them to pray, come with very little natural report in your mouth. Don't come with a history of a medical history because what that does is that entrenches you in this realm. And when you come, you're, you need to be turned toward God's realm. And if we're thinking and talking and detailing and giving history, the, a minister doesn't need to know history. He said, she's at the point of death. Yep. That's it. We don't know what caused it. We don't know how long she's been there. We don't know what kind of stress this has put on the home, on the parents. We know nothing, but you know all that was involved. But his total focus was, she's at the point of death. Come and she shall live. The, quick, the shorter your request, the more concise your faith. Do not give what happened to your grandpappy and your grandmammy and all. It does not matter, but it does matter to your faith to not hear those and rehearse, recount, and build big in your thinking the need. And so when you read someone... what someone did in this account, and you see the brevity, how brief they were, the bare minimum. of Faith doesn't need a paragraph to be expressed. One word will do it. And we see the brevity of Jairus. We, we gain a lesson of how faith talks. And it was not doubt and unbelief to say she lies at the point of death. He said, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. My, my, my. He determined what that moment sounded like. And Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. In verse 35, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said. He gave Jairus something else to hear besides that report. He said unto the ruler, be not afraid, only believe. Because he knows fear can change what you say. Fear can change your approach to this situation. And he's saying, keep the door shut. It's not failure that fear comes. You didn't fail because fear came. You're going to sense fear at times. Why? Because it's present. But how we respond to the fear, it's everything, Pastor. It's everything. So Jesus is telling him. Jesus isn't giving him a, a whole long sermon. He says, be not afraid, only believe. That's it. That's how, that's how you get from death to life. Be not afraid, only believe. From death to life. Yes. And he suffered no man to follow him, say Peter and James and John, the brother of James. It does matter when you're believing for the miraculous. 
who you involve. It does matter. It does matter. It doesn't matter who you let in the room, who you let in your hearing, who you let in your fellowship. It does matter. Verse 38, And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he seeth the tumult, and they that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, you know, you, you, it's, to stay in faith at some time, at some point what God says has to matter to you more than what people think. And they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and he said unto her, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something be given her to eat. So notice, she's been dead moments. Then we flip over to Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the coffin. And they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. He talked to dead things. Young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up. If that doesn't do something for you. He that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. This would have been about the third day. We see a progression of dealing with death. Jairus' daughter, dead moments. Then this situation, dead about three days because that's the burial time. Then you go to Lazarus. And in John chapter 11, In verse 39, and we, for time's sake, we won't read the whole passage. Verse 39, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone, and Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he's been dead four days. What's that? Decomposing. He's decomposing. As though odor is going to do something different about this. How natural we think. Like 
what if the body was still warm? Would it be easier? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we see this. She's helping Jesus along. By this time he stinketh, he's been dead four days. And Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee that if you believe, you'd see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it. Yeah. That they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound, hand and foot with grave clothes. How does something bound come forth? It gets blown out. <laughs> He's not hopping out. Translated off of that slab he's laying on. And his face was bound about with a napkin, and Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. I, I want you to see the progression from Jairus' daughter, dead moments, a short time to the widow's son, dead three days, to Lazarus, dead four days. Why? All of this is building toward Jesus' own raising. Right. Yes. Right. Come on. Amen. Yeah. It's a progression. Yes. I said it's a progression. Yes. And uh, we have to be willing to uh, move with the progression yeah. of things. Right. Right. Amen. Amen. But God said to me, um, Tonight, uh, who to minister to is those with metal rods, plates, or screws in their body. Um, in February of 2013, I was in a church. I was invited to do a women's meeting. And I went there to conduct it. And Ed said, I'm going to go with you because he wasn't scheduled anywhere at the time. And Ed was the type, he never wanted to be left out of anything. Never. He didn't care it's a women's meeting. That meant nothing. So uh, he went with me and uh, we had a healing service. I preached and then we had a healing service, a time of ministering to the sick. And then um, afterwards, Ed got up and he said, tonight, is an, comes an endowment to minister to those with metal rods, plates, or screws. And I noticed that that was something of how God used him. And I thought, I paid attention, why is this being duplicated? Well, God was downloading, if we could say it that way. Because that endowment was for the earth. Heaven wouldn't need that. And we've seen some... God do some wonderful things for people, the maimed being healed. Yes. Brother Copeland stood in our church when he came, I want to say maybe 2016, the year he came, that time. He's come out nine or ten years now in a row, and I think it was around 2016, and he said, God just said the maimed will be healed in this church. Yeah. And we've been calling it. Yeah. 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 
Why? Because if you treat it big, you keep it far off. That's right. It's a, it's a big thing to us that God does it, but it's, it's not hard. Amen. It does matter how you treat your need in your thought life. It does matter. But there's healing for those of you tonight. Amen. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.